0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at com. Welcome to the family.
1: VDW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
2: Talk she Recorded live. Yeah, happy New Year, everybody. January 8th, 2015. I'm Eric Clancy, alongside Patrick Kelly. We are the Weekday Warriors Wrestling. And uh, however you're listening to this podcast, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, if you're listening on Talk Shoe, uh, however you are, just make sure to share us, uh, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, whatever. We really appreciate um, any promotion we can get from you, our listeners. It's um, pretty much how we get promotion. So thank you for listening. Um, uh, I guess we'll jump right in. This is the first one we've done of the new year, right, Patrick? Uh,
1: yes, I believe so, yes. All
2: right. Well, cool. Um, All right, so let's jump right in. Uh, We got a few things to chat about, different wrestling shows, different um, things to chat about. Um, I guess let's start at the beginning of the week. Let's start with Monday Night Raw, which I'm not I kind of liked that the show had a theme, and they had a through line, and shit happened. But man, oh man, did this show cause people on the show and off the show to get pissed off over a variety of stupid reasons. And we can get into those in a few minutes. Well, I think uh, one of the ones that you're going to bring up that has really just boggled my
1: mind, uh, the Road Warriors Ascension yeah. promo. That, really, this is why the Attitude Era can't come back, because everybody is so easily offended now.
2: Yeah, well, it, it, to me, it's like they're like, we're better than all the old tag teams. We're better than this tag team and this tag team. And Land fucking Storm, who needs to, like, shut the fuck up for four seconds, is like, oh, you can't say that about people. You can't say bad things about retired wrestlers or dead wrestlers. Why not? It's like a show, and their gimmick is that they're trying to, like, come in and, and – and be the best and take, like, why wouldn't they? Plus their heels. I don't understand why everyone's a four year old about this. And, and then, uh, you know, Rob Warrior Animal uh, cut, like, even cut a promo, but he typed on his Facebook very poorly about how apparently the WWE should hire him to pick a tag team. I didn't even know what he was talking about. But the, the, the rancor that came because of this promo. Was so comical, and I was just like, What? They're, that's what every young wrestler does. And also, it's like written by the office, so it's not even them. So, plus, it's a fucking show. Like, I don't understand why everybody is getting so upset. That's like when people were like, I can't believe CM Punk made for Hulk Hogan and Bruno San Martino. Oh, he is the heel champion. Why? He's getting heat. I don't understand why you're so confused. Um, and I noticed said you know, nobody came to Demolition's defense. Uh, you
1: know, they got thrown under the bus in that promo, too, and nobody said a word, but it's, you, you know, if they had said something to the effect of, like, the Eddie is in hell stuff, if they had gone that direction, I could understand
2: it, why it would get under people's skin, because that yeah, didn't have
1: I mean, that's, that's kind of like, like that.
2: I know. It's like, I mean, I know. It's like, to me, I was like, whoa, the Eddie in hell thing, I was, I was like, that's a bit too soon. He just died tragically two months ago. Like, maybe we should not do that right now. Like, you know, and I'm not normally that guy. I'm not the guy who gets, like, you know, offended or anything, but that was, you know, but this was like, first of all, they didn't even say, like, Hawk's dead and he's, he's never coming back. You know, they were just like, they sucked and we're better. And that's what they said. That's what every pro wrestler says about everyone. So, I, I it's, it was so confusing to me that this that that people were upset about this. And they're like, oh, they don't have any respect. I'm like, ah, you're all so stupid. This is why everybody hates pro wrestling. Um, It it goes back to that
1: old Four Horsemen promo that the NWO did, which I still say to this day is one of the funniest goddamn things I've ever seen in wrestling. And people to this day still say that that was offensive and it was disrespectful and you don't do stuff like that. I'm like, it's a fucking television show for God's sake, I know, because that's
2: like... I, like, that, yeah, I know, it's a television show, and, like, the four horsemen cut those types of promos. I mean, they didn't, like, dress up anybody but they're like, hey, we're in the 80s. They're like, we're fucking cool, and we wear suits, and nobody else can touch us, and you guys have... The women that go after you wear training bras. That's what the four horsemen did, and then they're old, and the NWO's like, oh. And then years later, CM Punk's like, hey Kevin Nash, you're a thousand years old, and I, you can't even walk across the ring without getting injured. That's like what you do. Like it happens, and it like, I, it's so mind boggling to me that they like, you know, people don't get like, you know, the new guys are gonna trash the old guys, and you know what? Rightfully so. The old guys are there. They've been there. They're not. They're not there. They're not as hungry anymore, and they should. It's like, you know, you and I always talk about this. Like, I love DX when they first occurred because to me that was DX raging against something. When Shawn Michaels and Triple H have been on top for 10,000 years and I see CM Punk and whoever come around, no, I'm with CM Punk. I'm with the guy who's going to rage against the machine now. Who's the hungry guy? Who is the rock and roller? Who is the guy that is going to come in and shake shit up? That's who I'm interested in. I'm not interested in, like, a status quo. Why do I want status quo, you know? Nobody wants status quo. That's boring. Absolutely. Um, and the whole match, JBL was like, oh, this is disgusting. And he's like, oh, oh, what competition is that? They came from the Gulf of Mexico. Um, yeah, they're jobbers. Uh, they're trying to, you know, they essentially did that for a year. It got them over decent. Like, squash matches are good. Um, calm the is fuck that, down, is dude. that
1: over initially?
2: Yeah, I mean that's how lots of people get over. I love you know how I feel about squash matches. They're super necessary. Like everybody's like, ah, squash matches. I'm like, okay, it's either that, or then you have everybody wrestle every week, and then somebody will always lose, but it's not a local jobber, and they and their value gets hurt. So, I mean, I'd rather have the the jobbers get squashed, and then you build with the big matches at some other point. Um, I
1: very rarely ever quote Jim Cornette in a positive light, but in this case, he had a quote once that made total sense in the explanation of squash matches. You know, Frankenstein had to kick a few villagers' asses before the climax of the film.
2: Yeah, I do like that line. It, yeah, it, I agree.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and yeah, it's same principle.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's... it's um, I, I had a great uh, um, stage combat uh, professor and um, director who said a great line. I've used it on this show before, but I don't think I've used it recently. I think it's a great line. I think it makes so much sense. And he says, you know, you're you're not a king until someone bows to you. And the idea is like, we can tell you this guy's great. This guy's great. This guy's great. Until you see it, until it occurs, they're not, you know? So, like, you can tell people, oh, I'm a king, I'm a king, I'm a king. Until there are other, like, villagers that are going over and saying, my lord, and coming up to you, it doesn't matter because you're just saying it. So it always goes back to the what you and I always say. is like, do as we say, but don't listen to what we say. Don't, listen to what, don't watch what we do. You know, it's like, picture of the a monster. He hasn't won any matches. Um, you know, um, so yeah, and then JBL buried them the whole time. I thought it was terrible. I thought it helped no one, and it wasn't like it wasn't like a good kind of heel. We're like, ah, these guys are, oh Jesus Christ, you know. It was more like what a bunch of pieces of shit. It was just JBL, and we heard later in the week, if the wrestling dirt sheets are to be believed, that uh, Vince is upset that NXT is perceived as better than Raw uh, because of the internet or something. By the way, I don't like NXT better than Raw because I'm quote-unquote, on the Internet. I like it because I have eyes and a brain, and I'm able to process information like a normal adult, and I can, you know, I, I look at what I'm watching. That's why I like it better. P.S., um, also, can we can we stop this, like, Internet fan thing now? Because who doesn't have the Internet anymore? Like, <laughs> is there a person that, like, doesn't have it, and is like, oh, I'm a mail-order wrestling fan, or, oh, I, I use... I use the telephone. Uh, like, what? I don't get it. Like, we're all on the Internet. So, like, it's kind of like everyone's an Internet fan at this point. So, <laughs> we're, we're broadcasting this to you on the Internet. You can listen to this podcast on the Internet. The WWE Network is fucking exclusively on the Internet. So, <laughs> uh,
1: I, yeah. Well, uh, going back to the commentary, and we'll get into this later in the show, but watching things like Wrestle Kingdom 9 and Lucha Underground this week, And even NXT, and not that the commentary for those shows are necessarily groundbreaking or the greatest thing ever, but it is so refreshing to have other wrestling options out there where the commentators aren't yelling at the top of their lungs, clearly biased for people, and just acting like morons for three hours. It's actually refreshing to watch the other wrestling shows that aren't raw where I just feel like I'm not being screamed at for three hours.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um I guess let's move on because you're right, we do have a lot of shows to talk about, many of which I did not see. Um, but, um, uh, fuck, Roman Reigns is so bad. I mean, <laughs> he is so fucking bad. It is, it is ridiculous of how bad his matches are. You put him in with Big Show and Big Show, I don't think has had a good match in like 10 years. And holy shit, what a piece of crap that was. And the best thing was, they are expecting these like monster pops. They're like, oh, Superman punched him in the stepstool on his head, and everybody's like, oh yay. And like that crowd wasn't even that vicious. Like I cannot wait until Philadelphia. I cannot wait to see what happens then because Reigns has been terrible. He has been he has been way worse than before the Herdy injury. He has been like as he's as bad as he's ever been. Right now, yeah,
1: it's it's really bad. And you mentioned things like the Superman punch and the spear and all this quote-unquote cool moves and everything, well, when you give us those moves every week in every match, they become a lot less cool. So the thing that helped keep him over initially, uh, he kind of watered that down now, so now he has nothing.
2: Yeah, and I mean, at least Dean Ambrose has, like, escaped to, like, you know, where he's not, like, in the main, like, like the main segments anymore, so he doesn't get, like, you know, quote-unquote shoved down our throats. But even Dean, like, can figure out creative ways to do different things. It feels like Roman Reigns at one point was like, I'm going to cock my fist like a gun. And I remember the first time we saw that, like, that's awesome. And then he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to Superman punch. I'm going to drop kick on the apron. And by the way, the, the apron graphic when he does it right, is always cool. But it's like he thought of these, like, three things, and then he never thought of anything again. Like, it's not like Seth or Dean who, like, legit, innovate every time they go out there and, like, think of stuff to do and interesting things to do. Roman's just like, oh, this is all I'm going to do. And that promo was fucking, like, that was a John Cena promo delivered way worse than John Cena has ever delivered a promo. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's really sad. <laughs> i speeding boy. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, it's even worse when you compare him to the other Shield members because Dean Ambrose gets handed shit, quite honestly. I mean, this feud with Bray is, can we please, it's over now, right? It's officially over. I, I hope Thank so. You.
2: Bray's beaten yeah. him 10,000 times.
1: Yeah, and yet somehow he still manages to be at least somewhat interesting, or, you know, I see effort in him trying to make the shit that he's handed work. And Seth Rollins, who's the guy right now, quite honestly, as we enter the road to WrestleMania, he's in a bit of a sweet spot because they can literally do almost anything with him and it'll work. He could have a match with Orton. He could work with Sting. He could work with Daniel Bryan. He could work with... uh, uh, He could do a triple threat with the Shield members. Uh, They could could literally do almost anything with Seth, and it'll work. Um, And, you know, he's talented enough to pull any one of those situations off.
2: Yeah, I I, I really hope they go the Orton or the Daniel Bryan route, because I think those are the best for him. Because Sting, Mm -hmm. like... I mean, Sting's got to win at WrestleMania, so, I mean, they're not going (laughs) to... That's not good for Seth. So keep keep staying with Triple H and keep Seth as far away from him as you can. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, no, I agree, I agree. Um, what else did we had? I like the Ziggler Bad News Barrett match. I thought that was pretty good. That was good. And I again I thought it was well too.
1: Yeah, comparing a baby face to John Cena if you put John Cena in this situation, you expect him to come back from the beatdown and win that last fall, but Zimmer, no, he got destroyed for 10 minutes and then lost two straight falls. Oh, right. And he doesn't That's lose it.
2: anything. He doesn't lose anything. It, if anything, you, like, you cheer more for Dolph because of how there's actually adversity and he's actually, like, it's affecting him. Like, you know, like, is, John Cena, for yeah. adversity to occur, he like people to shoot him in the leg and then, you know, maybe he'll lose then. but only with interference from a manager. Um <clears throat> but, yeah, no, I, I thought it was a good match. I, I like both of these guys. Um, I, You know, Barrett... Barrett really won him. us
1: over last year. Yeah,
2: yeah, and Barrett improved so much character-wise on the mic. Cause I thought he was so bland when he first came out. You know, we, we talked about that, because we, we have the show when the Nexus thing happened. But um, he's really... Um, his mic skills have gotten better. He's, he's really honed his character to the point where he took a character where you would think... A guy, guy who gives bad news to local fans is like the worst character ever. Somehow, somehow, Wade Barrett makes that work super well, and he's he's really good at it. So what else can I say? Um, and he had a good match, and Ziggler works really hard. Um, I would say this, and Steve Austin said this on the TLC um uh podcast, his his um his Steve Austin show, uh, and and I think he's you know, there's. Not a lot of things that are said on wrestling podcasts are like, oh, yeah, that's that's interesting. It's mostly, like, people, like, acting like they know a ton and then never saying anything. Like, Eric Bischoff, like, there's a million ways in the ring you can make somebody else look bad. Like, and then he never named, names those ways. I'm like, well, yeah, I get what you're saying. But, like, they're not that subtle. But Steve Austin made a really good point, and I thought it was pretty good. And he's like, he's like you know, I really like Ziggler, but what Ziggler needs to do is, you know, I get that he's selling after the match, and I I, I get that, and that's realistic. But take a stronger stance, like a physically stronger stance. Have a base when you're celebrating. And actually, that was in my mind after the Survivor Series thing. Instead of, like, falling all over the place and, like, getting his arm raised and falling, I wish he would have just stood there and had a moment. And Mm -hmm. Austin, like, actually really put that into words for me, something that I wasn't able to, to describe, but I knew something was wrong. And yeah, I wish Ziggler would have like had a strong base, a kind of a dominant base for his uh for his celebration. And I I thought Austin made a pretty fabulous point there and one that like I, you know, did couldn't articulate myself. And um I, I would like to see Dolphin more of that and it's this Austin mentioned he's like he's like he's he's amazing at selling. I just wish he'd, you know, you know, maybe uh, show a little bit more toughness every once in a while. Don't be so giving. And I do think that's, a, that's an aspect of Ziggler. Like, he's amazing at selling, and he'll make his opponent look like a million bucks. But, you know, sometimes be a little tougher. And I, I think he's going in that direction, but I, but I do think that's that's a good point from Steve.
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, Steve is a guy that knows all about that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's great to hear somebody, somebody
2: else that does a wrestling podcast actually verbalize that type of stuff for us. Yeah, I agree. Um uh, so I don't want to talk about all the matches in like you know succession because it's basically the third theme was the authority was back and they were getting revenge on everyone on uh, Team Cena with the exception of Cena because he's a cash cow for them and Big Show because he's now on their side. So um, I, I like that and I like that idea and I thought the end um, the end of the night with. Uh, with the the, um, the the tribute to Cena and everything, and bringing everybody out, and then firing them, I, I actually thought Raw rarely ever ends on great moments. Like I, I'm talking about just like beautiful like cinematic pictures that TV shows end on. And by the way, spoiler alert for Game of Thrones and and Breaking Bad. If you haven't watched those, like you know Ned Stark head getting chopped off in the first season, and Arya's face mm-hmm. just looking at him. Just really powerful uh, moments like that. Or, you know... Um, well, I'll try to spoil it. Sean Bean always dies. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, or, you know, at the... Um, or, you know, uh, just... Uh, or Gus in Breaking Bad walking out of mm-hmm. the room. And, uh, you, know, you know, that scene. Uh, just stuff like that that you really start you. Wrestling hardly ever does that. There's a few moments, like Punk blowing the kiss to... Um, to Vince's one, um, you know, that's, that jumps off the top of my head right now. Um, but I thought this episode had a great ending. I thought the music playing and the confetti and the juxtaposition between that, like, quote-unquote, joyousness and hey, you know, you just got these guys fired, was awesome. And there was nobody was talking, and it was just they let that moment breathe, and I thought that worked really well. And I thought that was one of the stronger points of Raw.
1: Yeah, and I sat there the whole time because this is just what WWE always does. I kept sitting there thinking, oh, Sting's going to come out and spoil the party. And he didn't, and I liked that. So once again, one of the key elements that made Sting work back in WCW is that you didn't know when he was going to show up. And so I liked that they didn't pull the trigger on that right away here. And you're absolutely right. I thought the moment came off very well. It uh, was produced very well, and they hit all the right notes that they needed to hit, and it was, you know, the bad guys won. It was a great ending.
2: Yeah, I no, you know. Like, and, and, and there was actual, like, character problems that we can go forward from, and it actually, hold on, everybody, made me want to see the next episode. You know? It's like, everybody's <laughs> fired. Like, obviously, I know they're not fired, I like, you know, but I want to know what's going to happen next. How is John Cena going to deal with it? You made me fucking care about John Cena's emotions. Like, congratulations. Your goal should always be to make me tune in next week. For fucking ever, I cannot... I mean, I remember 2005, there was, like, a SmackDown episode that ended with, like, Batista and, like, I don't know, Batista Ray and, like, Roddy Piper, and they beat up, like, Carlito, or they beat up a bunch of, like, young, like, heels or something, I don't know, and the end was, like, them posing with Roddy Piper, his 7000 year was like, and then it ended, and I'm like, how does that make me want to see SmackDown next week? Like, like, what, what about that, like, it wasn't, the match wasn't great, so it's not like, oh, well, they, you know, it was a really great match, I want to see more wrestling. It was just like, oh, cool, we're celebrating, so oh, great, you know. It's like, <laughs> this this makes me, oh, what happens next? And I know Patrick and I, like, are beating a dead horse when we say this, and we say it all the time, but we're always like, you know, there needs to be some sort of obstacle to come over. And generally that means bad guys win, bad guys in power. That's the simplistic way to put it. But there needs to be something there needs to be something in the way of someone, because otherwise it's, as Vince says, wrestling for wrestling's sake, which he likes to do a lot. Um, and and if, if there's not that, then why am I watching? Why am I watching your show? I thought this was a great way to end it. I thought it was a good cliffhanger. I thought it made me want to see the next episode. And so often they don't do that. They, they think and this is the worst term in wrestling history. I hate it. I hate it so much, and everybody uses it Send the fans home happy. Like, uh, we're not children. I mean, come on, we're, we're, we're beyond this, really. I mean, we, the face has to win. Is this where we are, ladies and gentlemen? No, the face doesn't have to win. You know what sending me home happy is? Intriguing me in your show so that I want to see what happens next. Like, this isn't Tennessee in 1972, and Vince, for someone who hates the regional wrestling, you sure pick up its worst traits and tropes. And the, the idea is like, oh, oh my God, I'm going to be so angry if fucking, you know, Dolph Ziggler and John Cena don't win at the end of the night. Well, I mean, uh, I think you should just hook me with a storyline. I think you should do that and whatever. But but they so often they don't do that.
1: Yeah, especially in this John Cena era. I remember when he was champion in 07, it was like every week it was just – the music plays, Cena wins. The music plays, Cena wins. And that's all it was, week to week to week, to the point that I stopped watching because I just couldn't take it anymore. And then when Cena got hurt, I was like, oh, well, maybe the show will get good again. And, you know, I know everybody says John Cena's a draw, quote unquote, but for me personally, I got so sick of him that when I heard he was gone, that's what me the incentive to tune back in again.
2: I, I hate this idea. I promise, guys, we're going to get to like Lucha and Wrestle Kingdom and all sorts of other things. But you know, I, I hate this idea that like people keep saying this. And they're like, you know, John Cena. He's the, he's forged this great legacy. Has he really? I mean, he's he's had some. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to dispute that John Cena's had a good career. Good career. Like he's had some good matches with people. I can name a lot of really good. I can name a lot of great matches with John Cena. I can. Um, But, I mean, I, I think to me as an artist, as a performer, here's what John Cena's done. John Cena's the guy. If you put him in there with a guy who's great, the match will be great. If you put him in there with a guy who's good, the match will be good. John Cena is what his opponent is. John Cena is not Shawn Michaels. He is not Ric Flair. He is not that guy that can take the shitty opponent and make something amazing out of it. He can't do that. And can John Cena carry the ball? Absolutely. Money in the Bank 2011, SummerSlam 2013. I mean, there's been multiple times where John Cena's put on a fantastic wrestling match. But the fact is, John Cena does not make anyone better. And that's it. I mean, if you want to talk kayfabe career, yes. Kayfabe career, which I don't know why I'm talking to you like a fucking baby, but Career has had a great one. But, I mean, as far as an artist, as far as a performer, the legacy I've had for John Cena is good performer – who has been shoved down everyone's throats? Who, when they booed him, and in any other era they would have kicked shit can the guy and went to the next guy, they just kept him around. And that's what that's what worries me with Roman Reigns. And it doesn't look like they're going to do what they did with John Cena. But it's like people are booing him; they aren't giving great reactions. And I think to myself, I'm like, the fuck? What did that stop him with John Cena? Like, John Cena was booed, like, five months into his first title reign, and then they just fucking did it anyway. They just kept doing it. And, like, I've never, it, that's never happened to anyone in the history of wrestling. If, like, you were a face and you just kept getting booed, they're like, oh, let's just fucking keep doing it because that's a good idea. No, they, they they would change it. They would change course. But not not Vince McMahon, and I still to this day have no idea why that's happened because that's never happened to anyone in the history of professional wrestling to my knowledge on that level it's it's one
1: of the strangest things and it's one of the reasons i would love to get like a like a john cena shoot interview or, or something just to explain what was going on backstage when he was getting booed initially and what what led to them just wanting to keep running with it and feeding everybody to him because that's another thing about john cena you kind of alluded to it but um the whole he doesn't make anybody better thing. It's like, well, how many heels came off looking better working with John Cena? Not many. That I mean, maybe. Umana. I mean, maybe
2: Edge. Maybe Edge.
1: And even Edge, it was like he you know, he kind of made himself.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's valid, but I mean, yeah, it's it's just like it's so odd to me. And people, I when I bring this up to the per- first person, people talk. Actually, they bring up two people. They bring up Hulk Hogan, and they're like, oh, Hogan got booed. First of all, Hogan never got booed in the arena until – I mean, he did. There were scatterings of boos and stuff, but as far as a, a large-scale boo thing, I mean, obviously, you're going to have a crowd or two that's, like, out, out of the, you know, norm, but he didn't really get booed until he went to WCW. And WCW mm-hmm. was like, this is a problem, and then they turned him to heel. The other name people bring up is Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels got booted, at, like, Survivor Series 96 and, like, maybe a few times in the midst of 97. Like I, I don't remember maybe, like, ever getting that bad, though. Yeah, no, it was never as bad as John Cena. And what did they do? They turned Shawn Michaels' heel. Like, to me, it's so fucking weird. Like, they've never done this for anyone. And it's just mind-boggling to me that he's the guy. They're like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, like what did John Cena do? For those of you who was like, John Cena's, like, taking the company to great heights. Not really. I mean, ratings have gone down under John Cena. You can, like, say what you want. Ratings have gone down under John Cena. That's completely true. I don't think that's fair to all put on John Cena, because as Patrick and I talk about, you don't put the thing on one guy. But if you're going to put it on one guy in a positive sense, you need to look at it in a negative sense, and that's the fact that ratings have gone down under John Cena. If you look from 05 to, like, or oh or four whenever oh five I guess to today I mean they don't you know he's not like bringing any he's not he's either keeping it the same or it's going down it's it's not going up so you know and that's a, that's a long body of work so I, I think we can kind of agree that John Cena is not this he's he's in the public consciousness because the WWE puts him there but it's not like he's this like incredible mainstream star that did it on his own. He's there because WWE is a giant global phenomenon and they keep putting John Cena in that spot. Yeah. And again, it would be, I would love to know what John Cena does that nobody else does
1: that keeps him in that spot. And again, I'm not, it's not so much me putting down John Cena. I would just love to know what so many other guys, like what did Christian not do? Back in '05, when he was the most over thing in the company, what did he not do? What did Carlito not do right? What did uh, what is Cesaro done wrong? What is uh, all these other guys? And it's just it's just crazy to me to think that you know these guys aren't working hard or whatever. It's like I I, I can tell you what I'm seeing on the television. I see I'm seeing, seeing A class work from these guys, and they're not getting rewarded.
2: Yeah, well, to me, it's like there's Ben guys. I mean, and, and John, yeah, you can like. Yeah, I don't know if John Morrison be the guy to put over. He, like, he can't talk. He what? He can't talk really. I mean, to that level.
1: No, well, neither could Shawn Michaels early on, and neither could Brett. So he wasn't
2: given the opportunity to really develop into that. Fair, fair. But you know the the idea, um, you know, the idea that there's nobody there, and and, and everybody goes to merchandise sales and. I mean, yeah, okay, you can make a case, like, against some of the guy's Patrick name, but, I mean, 2011, there's Punk. Punk outsold Cena, and that's without the machine behind him for, at that point, for Cena, I guess, what was it, like six, seven, eight years or something? Something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then there's Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan probably came damn close. It was like, there's two guys right there, two guys, and you could have put them in those spots. And he didn't, and Punk's made it, he's given examples of how they didn't put him in that spot, and, you know, Daniel Bryan, you know, they, they, they do not put him in that spot, and have fun with their, your Royal Rumble this year, you know. Um, it, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that they, they don't do that. And with, like, for, for those of you who are like, oh, Daniel Bryan doesn't equal ratings. I'm like, first of all, fuck, Raw's with Daniel Bryan and Raw's with John Cena get the same fucking rating. So, like, I don't, like, give a shit. You know what the one difference is? I like it, and you can hear louder cheers when Dan O'Brien is there, and happier he is in both. That's the only difference. So don't you want that? If everything's the same, and there's been, then that thing is good, don't you want that? Like it, it, To me, it, it's silly, and I, I just it's so odd. His career is so odd. I would love somebody to talk about it beyond, he's a real hard worker, I love him. Like I would love to hear somebody say something. I think Punk, like Punk, scratched the surface in his interview, but he didn't really, like, I wish he would have said, why? You know? Why it's like And
1: that's the other thing. So many people within the business who don't even work for the WWE anymore will protect John Cena.
2: And that's the other weird thing. I think he's a nice guy. I think he's a good guy. But I... I, Which, by the way, like, as we talk about, that's not an issue. Like, we... I'm... Like, my girlfriend's met him. She said he's a great guy. Like, there's no... You know... (laughs) There's no, probably, debate about that. I'm kind of talking about the idea and what WWE, like, pushes him. Con- like, if they did this with fucking, I don't know, um, uh, let me just randomly think of someone right off the top it's of my Hino head. Marala. Yeah, if they, like, did that with him, like, for the past, you know, however many years of Batista probably wouldn't have been the same, you know? Then I would react the same way, or Christian, or whoever. Like, you know, but it's just like, it's like, what, really? I mean, so it just it just is confusing to me. Extremely. All right. Um, so, I guess that's all I really want to talk about. Raw. Um, so, Patrick, why don't we go in chronological order? Uh, okay. Unfortunately, I know it happened, but um, because I had a, um, I had work on Monday, I couldn't stay up... Um, I couldn't stay up as late as I wanted to to see Wrestle Kingdom, so wasn't really an opportunity for me. Um, so I guess you're going to have to discuss this and kind of take us through your thoughts and, and uh, on the show.
1: Well, this is a big deal to me because I've never, obviously as an American fan, I've never seen a live Tokyo Dome show. And I know that those are a big deal. And um, behind WrestleMania, that would have been one of my like dream events to actually attend one day is to go see a Tokyo Dome show live because I love the look of that venue. And Japanese wrestling is so interesting and so... Uh, unique uh, in comparison to what we usually get over here, so I was really excited for it to finally get to see one of these shows at least live on pay-per-view, and I stayed up till 2 in the morning on uh, Saturday night to actually sit down and watch the whole thing, and Now, it um, started at 2, right? Yeah, started at 2, yeah, so I yeah. stayed up till 6, actually, so it was a long night, but yeah. um, basically, to get a couple of nitpicks out of the way, uh, I would have liked it if because one of the major appeals of this is that it's New Japan breaking the language barrier over here uh, stateside and breaking into the American market that way. And having JR and Stryker on commentary definitely helped with that. It helped a lot. But there were some video packages that they did and some promos that they did that were not subtitled or anything, and I would have liked English subtitles for those just so I could understand what Tanahashi and uh, and Okada were actually saying to each other. That would have been nice. But um, other than that, I really enjoyed the show. I thought it was great. I thought J.R. and Stryker did a pretty decent job on commentary. Um, Jr. stumbled over his words a couple of times, but, but Stryker was there to bail him out a little bit. So they kind of worked off each other pretty well. And uh, Stryker was very knowledgeable. And, and like I said, they both did a very good job of – Um, filling in the blanks for somebody like me who's not overly familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling and what they did to build up this show. So I felt like I got a better sense of the stories that were going on in this match, and it really made them feel more important. And I was able to invest in them a lot more. So, And and overall, I thought the show was very, very good. There were some excellent matches on this show. If you're a fan of pure in-ring wrestling, check this show out. I thought a lot of it was great. I... I personally, I really enjoyed the never open weight championship match between Makabe and Ishii. I thought they went out there and had one of the stiffest, most brutal matches I've seen in a long time. And it was so refreshing because you don't see that style of wrestling here in the States. And, you know, this match more than any other made me wish. It's like, I hope Global Force Wrestling or whatever it is that Jared's trying to do with this thing, I hope that he, uh, I, I hope that, they present more matches like this and keep doing shows like this because this is something really different that you don't get over here in the States. And I think that would kind of be a really cool thing to do if global force keeps presenting shows like this. And uh, that match was very good. I thought AJ Styles and Naito went out there and had a hell of a match. I thought, uh, uh, the intercontinental title match was Nakamura and Ibushi. I, uh, I'm sorry if I butchered the pronunciation there, but I thought that match was very good. I thought, uh, Tanahashi and Okada, I mean, that main event they had was unbelievable, it was and quite honestly, it was a Wrestlemania worthy main event, the way it was worked yeah. and again, you had JR and Striker there on commentary to sell everything and fill in the blanks and tell the story and really make the match feel as big as possible for so people like me who didn't follow the storyline or hadn't seen the work with each other before, so it felt important and it was just an outstanding match, it was just a great show all around and I really, really enjoyed it and again, couple kinks to work out, like providing English subtitles and stuff like that. But for the most part, I really enjoyed the show, and I thought it was great. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend checking it out, because I think the replay is available for the rest of the month. So uh, if you're looking for a great wrestling show, I think that's a good one to start with.
2: Now, I have a question. Um, I, uh, most, uh, from, from the feedback that I got from the show, most people said Nakamura and Ibushi was the match of the night. It sounds like you liked Okada and Tanahashi better. I like
1: Okada and Tanahashi better,
2: yeah. Okay, okay. I did, and
1: um, I, if I had to pick a number two, I would say Makabe and uh, Ishii.
2: Really, okay, because yeah, the, I, I really the uh, really uh, mighty like Dave that, Meltzer yeah. gave Nakamura uh, Ibushi a five stars. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I
1: value Dave Meltzer's opinion so much.
2: Yes, yes. Um, don't um, be wrong. <laughs> now, um, uh, what else was I going to ask you about it? Um, well, it's going to be interesting to um, to see what the what the numbers for the show were. Um, I do – I mean, I, you know, I know Japan, and I'm not, you know, the biggest I, – I, I'm not as knowledgeable Japan as I am about uh, America wrestling, American wrestling. But uh, I know they have a system of, you know, with young lions, and they take the age of their guys very seriously. And, like, you know, the realism behind, like, younger guys beating older guys, like it doesn't happen very often – to me, it seems that Okada is like the biggest star in uh, New Japan and that this would have been the, the match to really have him go over and become kind of that official face. Was the booking-wise, as far as Tanahashi winning, based on what you were able to see, is that like uh, the the logic behind that? Did you understand it? Um,
1: see, this is another point where English subtitles titles were the be nice, because there was a point, uh, after the match was over where Tanahashi took the mic and started talking to Okada, who was crying after the match was over, which again, that was a really good moment and really felt the impact of the loss. Uh, Looking at the situation, I would have thought that Okada would have gone over, given the circumstances. It was their big dome show. You would think that a big title change would have happened, especially with the show breaking into the American market. And I feel like Okada, of the two, and Tanahashi's great. I'm not putting him down. But um, I feel like Okada, with the Rainmaker gimmick and all of his, you know, this is more showmanship. And not that Tanahashi doesn't have those qualities, but I think Okada just seems like the younger, hipper, fresher guy, and I, I was actually expecting a title change, yes.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I was, like, I, I, I feel, you know, woefully undereducated, so I can't. I don't really want to make any um, opinions on something I, I don't know too much about, but I was, I was interested in that because I definitely, from, to me, looking at both of them, I, I think Okada definitely seems more marketable in terms of, you know, if you want to break into the American audience, so that I guess that was kind of um, uh, confusing to me, but Yeah, um, so, uh, well, that's good. I I definitely will check it out before the week's over, I think. Um, I was just, you know, I couldn't. I I was hoping they were going to do, like, you know, a Sunday night at, like, 8 thing, like a replay or something, which they probably did, and I just didn't find it. But, you know, I couldn't stay until, how, you know, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. So, um, yeah. Uh, In other shows I didn't see, Patrick, how about Lucha Underground? Like, which Underground, understand. Well, uh,
1: they did their big first show of 2015. Uh, the last <laughs> which episode, is
2: uh, Aztec Warfare, which is, right?
1: Yes, the Aztec Warfare match. They set it up on the last episode of 2014, and really made me excited. I was like, Oh, they're going to crown their first champion. The first show of 2015. That's pretty awesome. I want to make sure I watch that. And I did. The Aztec Warfare match itself is basically the Royal Rumble. Only instead of throwing people out of the ring, you pin or make them submit, and that's, that's just how you eliminate them. So, really, the whole episode was just the Aztec warfare match, basically, and I thought it was a lot of fun. It was very well done. Uh, they highlighted a lot of their guides very well. I I like so many of their characters on the show, and this comes from the great production and the great vignettes that they do. Like, Nolan Mor- Muertes might have the best backstory of any wrestling character. He's the awesome. Game.
2: He's so good. <laughs> He's <laughs> so good. <laughs> and that's,
1: you know who that is, don't you?
2: Uh, it's uh, Judas Messiah, right?
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I, yeah. I didn't recognize him right away, but it's, God, that, that character's so great. Uh, I like Drago. I like El Cuerno. I like, uh, even, I like the women, too. I like Sexy Star and Ivelisse, especially Ivelisse. I think she's really good on the mic. And it's really interesting that they have them work with the men and treat them as equals. Yeah, women yeah, so sell too. for them, And they, they treat it like it's a normal, expected thing, that a woman would wrestle a man. And I think that's pretty interesting, a different way to market their women.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's a little bit. It's it's very progressive, and it. Yeah, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think I think Sexy Star's like whole intro and everything was was fantastic. Her name is so silly, but regardless, you know, like the idea of like you know her coming from like abuse and like wanting to empower herself by wrestling. I think that's a great story. I think those these are all like you know what makes a great baby face And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think they've done some great stuff with her. And uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I like Drago. I like King uh, uh, I like um, I like Phoenix. Uh, yes, Phoenix is Phoenix is ridiculous. Um, yeah, <laughs> he is a firework I, factory.
1: Yeah, and actually, this match uh, there were three marathon men in it. It was uh, Prince Puma, uh, Phoenix. Uh, well. Uh, Johnny Mundo and Phoenix started number one and two, and Prince Kumo was in there very early too. He was like number five or six, I think. So, and those okay. were the three that uh, lasted the longest. So uh, you got to see a lot of them during the show.
2: Yeah, good. I think those are the guys. I, I I think those three guys are the guys you should showcase. I think I think Mundo works because he's he's probably the biggest star, and you know he's uh, he's still good in the ring, and he he'll appeal to that. Like if you don't just want to see luchadors. He he kind of, like, bridges that gap a little bit. Obviously, Prince Puma, Ricochet is their big star um, that they're kind of trying to make with this show. And I think that's fine, and I think that's good. And I like Prince Puma a lot. I like the, he's a, he's a kid from the Barrio with the spirit of the Aztec Jaguar in him. And, he, you know, that's, all right, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think he does just incredible things. I, I know that, like, Puma is the guy that they're like banking everything on Phoenix is just like, what the shit? Like, um, I don't know if you went back and saw like the second episode, they had the triple threat match between Dros yeah, and dead. Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. The stuff they did in that match, mostly Phoenix and, um, who is the third guy? Uh, Pentagon Pentagon. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that they did was, was awesome. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think if um if Puma's gonna be their Hulk Hogan, I think, you know, Phoenix should be their Randy Savage. I think he should be right there because I think he's he's really, really exciting and interesting. And it's it's good to, to have, you know, variety and it's also great to have an hour wrestling show, for God's sake, It's so much better. It's it's just what it needs to be and raw is just a fucking chore a lot of I time. Mean, even the show that we had on Monday was like pretty good. And it was still a chore for me to watch. I had like a headache. I'm like, oh, fuck! I gotta watch two hours and like 20 minutes after I fast forward through commercials of this. Like, really? Ugh. Yeah,
1: it does feel it does feel that way. But uh, Lucha Underground, it's fast, it's quick. It's you know, you, by the time it's over, you kind of miss it already. And
0: yeah, I look forward and to
1: seeing what they're gonna do with their new champion. And congratulations to Prince Puma, obviously. Uh, look forward to seeing what they do. I think it's interesting
2: it's it's and, you know it's perfect for this day and age with that like fast attention span and that like you know kind of like youtube uh, uh you know snapchat generation type thing this stuff is so quick and it's so like bam 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 i'm not saying like you can't have slow matches and it can't work i mean yeah obviously i love them but i'm just saying like this is a good idea and i think it works really well yeah, and again the show continues to be really good,
1: so I'm I'm gonna tune in next week as well.
2: Yeah. Um what else do we have? Um Oh okay. so on Destination America. Oh, I didn't even see I saw I you know what, I turned on Destination America and they had like a nineteen hour block of best of TNA from twenty fourteen, so I watched a little bit of that, but I did not see the opening episode. How was it?
1: Um how do I put this? Uh <laughs> They seemed re-energized and revigorated, and some of the production changes they made freshened the show up a little bit. So it did feel like I was kind of watching a new show, at least on, on when I first flipped it on. Unfortunately, it, it was same old, same old. The booking was nonsense. It's just all the same tropes, like too much outside interference. The closing match had like three or four heel turns. There was uh, title changes that didn't make any sense. It was just kind of a mess, booking wise. Uh, the one cool thing they did is Awesome Kong came back, and that was the one thing they did that felt like a legitimate. It's like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. But other than that, there was really just nothing going on.
2: What did my boy EC3 do? Uh,
1: he could have EC3, who by the way is one of the best heels in wrestling. And yes,
2: he's he's awesome. I love him. He's like I, I don't even watch CNA, but I will flip on for Ethan Carter III. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's fantastic, and he's a real diamond in the rough for them. And they, when I heard they re-signed him, I was like, "Good, good on him. They know, they know where the talent is because he's great.
2: Yeah, I disagree. I'm very good. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what that what happens with that. But you know, um, so uh, last week you and I talked about uh, plans for the rumble now that Daniel Bryan's back. Well, if the wrestling news sites are to be believed, Roman Reigns is still scheduled to win the Royal Rumble. Part of me is like, oh, man, you know, it's like they're totally, like, working us, and it's going to be they just want to get us upset so Daniel Bryan will win. Well, fuck idiot. I thought that last year. I thought it when Batista was going to win, and then Batista fucking just won the Royal Rumble. So who's the asshole? Who's the idiot? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like, holy shit. Like, are you listening to the pops here? Like, if Daniel Bryan's health is your concern, I get that. But if Daniel Bryan's health is your concern, he shouldn't be wrestling. Okay? <laughs> like, it's as simple as that. You either believe he can go out there and he'll be healthy, or you don't. And, like, then there's a different conversation. But as far as right now, I'm assuming he's in the ring. He's okay to go. Unless uh, you have, you know, maybe an awful medical staff that, like, you know, people could die. Do z like, will be fine. Yeah, Z packs and and staff infections and hernias and all sorts of other great things, but you know I, that couldn't be the issue. But I'm assuming that Daniel Bryan's going to be okay. So, if that's the case, he's the most over guy. You, you, I don't. You kind of got to go with him. You kind of do. And like, I I don't I don't think the Roman Reigns thing is going to work out how you want it. And it's so weird to me that they just have their guys, that they're like, it's going to be John Cena, it's going to be Roman Reigns, it's going to be Batista. Like, they have their guys that they're like, this is how it's going to be, and they don't react to anything anymore. Like I, it, it was like 10 years ago when <clears throat> when Randy Orton was was slated to win, and then like, oh, Randy Orton's not getting over, switching to Batista. Which, by the way, I question the legitimacy of that, Patrick, because everybody's always like, Batista's, you know, he's another guy that gets the top spot. But Batista... They were teasing Batista turning as early as like you know October of that year. So either they instantly were like Randy Orton's not working, or they're like uh, maybe Batista. There was a part of me that thinks that there is
1: some truth to the Randy Orton thing it, because um, it just seemed like that that was the way it was going to go. And then, then they saw, oh wait, he's not working as a face. Flush him. And part of me wonders if that was just Triple H just fucking around and just doing whatever he wanted to do, but. Um, who knows? Do you remember remember
2: how early they were doing the Batista T spots? Like, there was that segment in, like, late October Batista just, like, sitting, looking at the world title in the the backstage segment?
1: I do remember that. Yeah, you're right. They did do that. Um, Yeah, you're you're (laughs) absolutely right. They did do that. So, maybe Batista was a plan B that they wanted to set up just in case things didn't work out with Orton? I, I don't really know, but
2: Yeah, like, Um, WWE is never, like, subtle in their quote-unquote teasing of matches. Like, do you remember in, I want to say, 2008, late 2008, um, or probably, I guess, Royal Rumble 2009, and Shawn Michaels is, like, he's he's under the control of JBL because he lost all his money or something, and, and then Undertaker minute, comes and over and like, like Sometimes it's hell. Getting into heaven and then he walks away and there was a like, oh! and I'm like, Okay, that's that's your tease for your Shawn Michaels Undertaker match, I guess. Like that's what you're doing. Um <laughs> Or 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 the time the time remember the initial plan for um, uh WrestleMania two thousand five with Undertaker and Kane versus Snitsky and Heidenreich? I <laughs> That was, a, that was that. the initial plan. That was, that was, the, that was what was going to first happen.
1: Wow, I cannot... It, it sounds crazy now, but at the time, it did look like that that was actually going to be the match. I remember the casket match that Taker and Heidenreich had where Kane and Snitsky got involved, and, you know, oh, God in heaven. And of course, Kane had already beaten Snitsky like eight times, and Taker had already beaten Heidenreich like a million times. So even if Heidenreich and Snitsky were any good... If they had gone ahead with that match, it wouldn't have meant anything because it's like, what? They've already beat them. Who
2: cares? Yeah, well, that would be that was, that was Undertaker's holding pattern until, like, 2007. He would wrestle the champion in, like, build-up to WrestleMania. He'd get cost by his WrestleMania opponent. He'd beat the WrestleMania opponent. Then he, in the spring, he'd challenge the champion, and then he'd lose, and then a new monster would come, and he'd wrestle them forever and then he'd do the same thing over, and then he get a title shot after he'd beat that guy, and then the same thing would happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that, every year. that sounds about right, yeah. It was like, whether it was, you know, whether it was Mankind, Yokozuna, uh, Mabel, um, Heidenreich, um, you know, uh who is the, o- oh, that was Heidenreich, um, uh, Vince, I guess, <laughs> was one of them. <laughs> um, you know, that was always the issue. That's always what happened.
1: And then he, like, you know. Well, they so so, needed yeah. to keep Taker out of the title picture. For you know, it was. I guess they figured Taker never needed the belt all that much until. And, the until end nine
2: fine, but then they gave it to him like when he was fucking ninety years old. Like every so year. he needed so one last run before he retired. But he kept needing one last run. Remember, it was oh six, 6 It was oh seven, 7 and they're like, he's got his one last run. And then they get the next year, and then they had him beat CM Punk. I think the Punk one was the last one. Am I right on that? Uh, I think you're right. Yes, it and was he last. They gave him time. his one last run three times in a row. <laughs> Like, come on. Look, Punk, Edge, and all those other guys, they didn't grab the brass ring. I don't know what to tell you. They they didn't do it. The last one was John Cena, by doing magical things that we'll never talk about. Um, (laughs) Grown in a lab somewhere. Yeah. He he came out of
1: Dr. Venture's lab. That's what
2: happened. (laughs) A bunch of millennials. That's what you are. A bunch of millennials. All right. Um, (laughs) I think that's it. Uh, I think that's all the time we have. Uh, Okay. So thanks, everybody, for for listening to us, Patrick, my friend. Have a good weekend. Everyone else have a good weekend. But for right now, this is Eric Clancy and Patrick Kelly, and we are signing off.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with family